0: LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to this episode of Making Disciples with Robbie Gallaty, a resource to equip and encourage leaders to make disciples who make disciple makers. I'm your host, Chris Swain, here with Robbie Gallaty, the pastor of Long Hollow Baptist Church, founder and president of Replicate Ministries. Today on the podcast, we are covering additional questions. We've gotten so many questions. Have we really? So much feedback from this email that we sent out. Uh, You asked people individually, hey, what can I help you with? And we thought maybe we'd get a couple dozen that you could individually respond to them and kind of help. And we do want to try and do that as best we can. But we're feeling like with the hundreds of responses that we've had, we've got to go a little bit bigger. So we're here in the podcast today. We've been doing this the past few weeks, and we want to continue down that road of uh, answering some of these key questions that tons of people are asking. So we think it's going to be helpful uh, for those listening. So let's dive right in. Today's question is another great one, another one that we get asked all the time. Every time we do a blueprint, every time we're meeting for a cohort, uh, every time we send out an email asking for questions, we get this type of question. And it's a great one. So let's dive right into it. I'm eager to hear the answer. I don't know what you're going to say, but
1: I'm excited about finding out. Well, before you say something, I think this is a good point to, to, to just note the fact that we've gotten so many questions from people who are listening right. shows us two things. Number one, we're very excited because I would say 10 years ago, if we if we gave this poll out or asked this, you'll send a question in, right. we would have got very few questions. Right. But the fact that people are asking questions shows us That's they're true. in the trenches, Chris. They That's know exciting. what to ask,
0: which is critical. And they're asking and really great questions. Critical. But That's here's true. the
1: second thing. It shows us that... When you have a lot of questions, it shows us that you need to converse and dialogue with other people to kind of figure this out. Because the thing is, if you don't know what to do in the area of discipleship, you're going to be paralyzed from doing anything. That's true. So. That's why I'm so excited. People are asking that's these questions, right. and obviously, we don't have all the answers, but uh, we have a few answers because we've paid a lot of dumb tax <laughs> along right. the way, and we've made <laughs> a lot right. of mistakes along the way. So, you can Yeah,
0: you can benefit from our mistakes. Oh, I like that's that. I like that's, that. Our, that's our motto here at Making Decisions. <laughs> we've made some mistakes. Uh, so, so let's dive right in. This question we get asked all the time, and it relates to the busyness of our culture. So we have leaders who are saying, you know, you're coming in, you're showing us this discipleship pathway that talks about having some, you know, we're meeting and we're hearing the preaching, the the word of God in the congregation. Then we're moving into biblical community where we're living out the one another's together. Then we're moving into with the core, these discipleship groups that meet once a week. And all of that is helping us live out and change the world as we go live missionally um, and, and reach large groups of people, perhaps through that, that missional living or those across the street. So here's here's the question. You're saying add something else with this. I, I think a lot of people hear that when we give them the pathway, they're thinking, "Well, I'm already doing two or three of those things, and now you're saying do an additional thing." Yeah. And so I think the problem is that's not really what we're saying. One, but two, when you have a staff that is already packed out, busy with everything that they do, barely scrambling to get done what needs to get done now, yeah. and you walk into the room and say, "Guys, we're going to roll out." discipleship groups? I'm going to ask you to go to the people and do this, or I'm going to ask you to lead this, or I'm going to ask you to lead that. How how do we help a staff that's already busy lead a congregation that's already busy to implement biblical disciple
1: making? Yeah, this is a question we get asked a lot. In fact, uh, we were just at a conference recently when somebody posed this very question to me, they said, you're asking me to ask our people. This was a director of missions for a community. uh, And he said, uh, or or a city. And he said, you're asking me to ask my pastors and our people to add another uh, time slot to an already busy schedule. Is that what you're asking? And I said, that's exactly what I'm asking. But here's what I'm not asking. I'm not asking you to do anything different than what you're already doing. How many people listen, and here's what I asked him, and I'll ask you this. How many people listening would say that they wake up early to go to breakfast with a church member or a family member or a friend? Ever do that? Chris, you ever do that? All the time. All the time. Uh, How many people in here ever go to lunch with a a friend or a church member or a neighbor? Hmm. Dylan. Yeah, Dylan says sometimes because Dylan's normally at lunch with me. He's a little bit of an introvert, but he still doesn't. No, because Dylan's Dylan's normally with me. Okay. But we do go to lunch with people. Okay. But here's the reality. The reality is we already do these things. So what I I said to him is what I'll say to you. Yes, it looks like we're adding another uh, stop on the train, uh, another wheel on the bike, but the reality is you're doing something you already do. You're maximizing the time you already have. So mm. what I would say is get up early once a week, meet at a coffee shop, meet at Starbucks, meet at what we call Discipleship Central okay. Cracker Barrel. You ever heard of that? Uh, you know, <laughs> I have. You know what's cool about Cracker what, what, Barrel? Uh, yeah, what's cool? Well, they'll actually let you meet for a discipleship group there, and uh, you don't even have to buy food. You, you just not even coffee. have to reserve a room. You don't even have to reserve a room, <laughs> and you don't even have to pay rent. That, that's, that's what I love about nice. it. I remember back in the day going to Cracker
0: Barrel and not liking it because the smoking section and the non-smoking section was divided by this lattice Oh,
1: really? <laughs> that's old there. That really separates imagine.
0: the two sides. But anyway, Are you I, digress. Okay. I digress. I digress.
1: That's old right there, by the way. I, a, I, I, I didn't old. even know that. <laughs> <laughs> so the reality is um, these places will let you come in and meet with your discipleship group. There is nothing more... Exciting than taking a bunch of men into a secular place, okay, or 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 a random place, and opening your Bibles and studying the Word of God together. And I did this, Chris, my first discipleship group in, in Chattanooga, mm-hmm. Brainerd Baptist. We started this group. We had four guys and myself. We went to uh, this place called Anchors. 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 Yeah, you remember that Anchors? I think it was oh. Anchors, but it was like Anchors because okay. it was like a. Uh, I never knew how to say it. Yeah, but what did they what did they have there, Dylan? Yeah, it was like a Greek place. That's right. That's why I'm saying it's and cars. <laughs> <Kars>. oh, <okay. laughs> Could be a pirate ship. Do we need to get Dylan on the Dylan, fact check that. I don't even know how to pronounce that, but here, here's what they serve like uh, gyros. Is that how you say it? A gyro? Some people say heroes. No, I'm talking about a gyro, like a I know, gyro. But some people say heroes for that, believe it or not. For a gyro? Yeah. I mean, for a Gyro. Gyro. <laughs>
0: okay let's uh, we got it back up we need the proper pronunciation oh my for gosh. hero slash gyro
1: that's even better forget the yeah, anchors Forget the anchors and all okay but okay on. so here's the thing we would go in there chris we'd open our bibles guys were in there you talk about uncomfortable at first they've never you, you take a person and open a bible in a restaurant and you see how uncomfortable they get right but what happened was people started noticing okay the waitresses started noticing it was a staple every wednesday at lunch we were there we began to share the gospel with the waitresses the waitresses got saved. The owner of the business came to church. The The wife of the owner started to hear the gospel. People would stop us just about every week and say, we don't know who you guys are, okay. but praise God for you. People would stop us and say, hey, listen, can you pray for me? My son's in the hospital. And I, and I, and I want to tell you, at the end of that year, I got these guys to get out of their comfort zone by meeting in a place that they normally wouldn't meet. So That's good. all that to say, you need to find a time and a place to meet intentionally to get these guys out of their comfort zone. Okay, okay. OK, the second thing I would say is this. Pastors, one of the reasons you're getting burnt out. Because, OK, what was the question again? So I can remember We're
0: leaning into the busyness of a
1: staff culture. Yes, that is trying to, again, implement discipleship. I'm just making sure. OK, because I get off uh, and we've already gotten off.
0: Well, it's my pro- It's my fault.
1: I'm trying to <laughs> stay on, but fault. you got us off with this I'm hero thinking about the gyro gyro, gyro. Or, the, or the hero. Now, for the record, there is something called a gyroscope. That's true. And it uses those same letters, so you would think. That's what I'm saying. Unless
0: it's pronounced differently by the Greeks. All right, Greeks. Dylan, do we have a? Miriam webster says it's a euro. Oh come euro. on! Are you serious? Wait, so that euro. means neither
1: one of us are correct.
0: We're wrong. <laughs> a euro. Euro. Wow. Thank Not you. to Miriam fears with a euro. Euro is a is a is a coinage for England. the European Union. Yep. I don't know if England's uh, using that anymore, okay. are they?
1: Forget it. We have gotten completely off. We so far off.
0: off. Matter of got- fact, to get back on track, let's move into talking about our Lifeway Leadership Podcast Great segue. Great segue. great segue. And then you kind of recalibrate. <laughs> <laughs> keep <laughs> going. Keep then keep we going. will dive back in. But we today go. we're talking about the One Thing, it's a podcast designed to give you one solid practical tip for gospel-centered ministry every week. Scott Sanders and Derek Hanna lead this, and they're from down under. That's what I like. Yeah. The voices are so good. Wow. I don't even know what they're saying,
1: but I love listening to it. That's them. right. They can read the phone book and we love it.
0: But even better, they are saying good things. I was going to say, they have some good things That's to great. say. So, And here's the best part of this podcast. It's only 15 minutes. Wow. So you can just jump in, grab some awesome insight, and jump right back it's out. It's kind of like a short sermon. It is like a short sermon. Well, 15 minutes. I mean, yeah. Well, you know, that what, you
1: know what Brother Tim says about a short sermon? He's never heard a bad one. He's never heard a bad <laughs> short sermon.
0: So. so check out The One Thing, our partner with in our Lifeweight Leadership Podcast Network.
1: Okay. Let's get back on track because people track. listening saying, <laughs> are you going to give us anything that is a practical? Anything helpful today, uh, yeah, help. please. Okay. Here's, here's the thing. I've said this for years, and I want you to get this because, and, and, I, and I was in my my quiet time reading this morning in the F260, and I've got the proof text to prove what I've been saying for okay. years, Chris, okay? Which is always good. You, you never want nice to preach this yeah, It's nice to support what you're saying with the scripture. That's always a good thing. Okay. <laughs> Here's what I've always said. I've always said that as pastors, we feel the pressure. As leaders, we feel the pressure that we have to grow the ministry, mm-hmm. okay? And that's how you get burnt out. That, that you, you burn yourself out and you burn your staff out. Yes. Because you're always saying we need more numbers. We need more people. We need more events. We need more baptisms. We need more conversions. Am I discounting any of those? No. But the key term there is we. Right. Meaning the staff. OK, and pastors, if you're continuing to, to use that metric for growth and success, you're going to burn yourself out. You're going to burn your staff out. I want you to flip your mindset. I want you to flip the way you think to think not us as a staff execute all the ministry or we as a staff. Mm-hmm. But what if we start empowering our people to be the greatest soldiers on the front line and the saints who are sharing the gospel and partnering with us to reach the city that we live in? God has called us not to a church only, watch this, God has called us to reach a city, okay? okay. If that's the case, it's gonna take more than the five or 10 paid staff members you have on staff. When I went to Brainerd, uh, again, uh, just a a lot of insights from Brainerd, but I was at Brainerd, I got caught up in escalator evangelism. Mm. Have we talked about this before? I think so, but remind me. Okay, just quickly, escalator evangelism is the mindset, Chris, where I invite you to church on Sunday, Mm -hmm. okay? So I say, hey, Chris, you have a wife and kids? Yes. Okay. Do y'all have a church home? No. No. Okay, great. Want to invite you to my church? <laughs> Good answer. Want to invite you to my church? Come on Sunday. The Swains show up. I see them on Sunday. After they're there for the first time, I walk up to him and I say, Chris, do you have any friends? I do. What's his name? Ben. No, you're supposed to say Dylan. Oh, Dylan. No, you've been as your friend, Dylan. but let's just use Dylan. 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 <laughs> I'm sorry, I got a little too real. There. You got real, yeah. No, your friend's Dylan right here. Okay, Dylan, uh, can you invite Dylan next week? Sure. Dylan comes to church next week. I meet Dylan and Rachel. I say, I'm glad you're here, Dylan. Now, here's what I just did. I just looked past you in the Swains because I wanted to get to Dylan. Hmm. And I say, Dylan, glad you're here. Do you have any friends? Sure, dude. What's your friend's name? Uh,
0: Justin.
1: Justin see now he went with his real friend Justin okay bring Justin to church Justin shows up next week now I wouldn't say this publicly but I would think this internally I just overlooked Chris to get to Dylan and now I just overlooked Dylan to get to Justin and here's what happens in your church and you may not even be cognizant of it but people go out the back door Chris as fast as they come in the front door yeah now I know that doesn't happen in your church yeah (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I've heard it happening in churches, right? No, that's a joke. It's happening in every church. Right? People are going out the back door as fast as they come in the front door. And here's why, because we got caught up in an escalator evangelism. The idea that we have to grow the church, we have to overlook people, we do all the ministry. And the Lord really convicted my heart. And I looked at our people one Sunday, I'd gotten up to preach, and God quickened my heart, and I thought, this, and this was the aha moment for me. I felt like I was executing and growing the ministry to see the breadth and the width grow. And I realized that's something only God does. I don't grow a church, God does that. I don't grow people, God does that. But here's what I can do. I can lead our people, develop processes in such a way to align people in an environment for spiritual growth. And here's what God revealed to me. Robbie, you focus on the depth of your people and I'll grow the breadth of this ministry.
0: Well, and a question that we get asked often that I think leans into what you're talking about just at this, this week, we did a training at discipleship.org past week, a couple of weeks ago. And ultimately I had a question come in and it was, uh, you know, do you want everyone in your church making disciples? You know, what about this guy who's, who's just been a believer for a few weeks? You know, is, is he supposed to be making disciples? And I just remind him who is the great commission for, mm. I think, not I've, for pastors. if I've read it right, okay. it's for every believer. Yes. And so that was my answer. Every believer should be obeying the Great Commission, and every pastor and church leader should be equipping their people to be able to obey the Great Commission. And that's just how much our mind has, has changed in the way we do church work, is we think, who am I, who am I going to let do ministry? Mm. You know, we're a gatekeeper for ministry when we should be
1: opening the floodgates to let our people go and do ministry and, and not a gatekeeper, but a pathway. Yeah, exactly. that's right. Yeah. You go to seminary, Chris, when you come back with that degree on the wall, we'll let you serve. That's right.
0: <laughs> we need you to hold a door and greet people on Sunday morning, which by the way, is an awesome thing and you should be doing it. Right. But we, we allow people to do that, but we're hesitant to equip them to go and make
1: disciples. Yeah, and the and the challenge. That's
0: why we're so tired.
1: Yeah, and here's the reality. Like, go, once you get ordained for ministry, Dylan, we'll let you do some ministry. And the reality is, there was no seminary in the first century, and there was no ordination process. <laughs> right. And they changed the world because they were passionate about making disciples. Listen, here's how they changed the world in the first century. Okay, this is how. And there was an interesting statistic. I I, I can't find the actual quote, but I heard someone say this who was reputable. They said. In the first century, how many people were believers in Asia Minor when Jesus died in Jerusalem? How many were Christians in what's now modern day Turkey? Ephesus, uh, where all the seven churches of Revelation are. How many Christians were there, Dylan, pop quiz, when Jesus died in Jerusalem? Mm, zero. Zero, good answer, because nobody knew about it yet. Okay, I would have said a number, I'm glad. Okay, there. Dylan <laughs> bailed us out. Okay, within 100 years after the death of Christ, the gospel had so spread to Asia Minor that the percentage of Christians was somewhere, as crazy as this sounds, in the 60 or 70 percent, okay? It had swept through the nation, okay? Wow. People were gone. They were passionate. How'd they do it? This book I was reading called The Patient Firmament of the Church. Patient Firmament of the Church. Firmament? Patient fir- Firmament. What is a Firmament. <laughs> Ferment, <laughs> firmament. I believe are <laughs> the heavens above the earth. Yeah, no, yeah. the Sorry. ferment, of the, or kind of like uh, something ferments. Right, exactly. Sorry. Here's Please how not. they did it, Chris. They went into Asia Minor. They didn't hold mass crusades. They would have gotten killed. They didn't hold revival services. There were no churches to do it. They basically went in as transformed people of the gospel and lived among the people. And people saw their lives and it was so contagious because they turned the other cheek when they were hit. They walked the extra mile when they were told to walk one. They gave their coat and their shirt when someone asked. And they said, that's contagious. It wasn't just through the outward pro- public preaching of the gospel, right. although they might have done that. It was through changed lives. That was the apologetic to change the world. Now, listen what Paul says, ironically enough, prov- providentially enough, to the church at Corinth. Okay? Here's what he says He says, on the contrary, We have the hope that as your faith increases, I love this, as your faith increases, our area of ministry will be greatly enlarged. And then he goes on. So that we may preach the gospel to the regions beyond you without boasting. Now here's what Paul's saying. Paul's saying, and I want you to get this, when the faith of the people, when the maturity of the people increases, the gospel multiplies exponentially. It's not the difference because we we have it backwards. We think, well, we gotta advance the gospel, and then if people grow, it's up to them. Hmm. What Paul says is you grow people deep in the word of God. You yeah. get people to mature in Christ. They become the greatest apologetic. And God, through people, as they grow deep, grows the breadth and the width of your ministry. And so, Pastor, listen to me. Stop trying to execute all the ministry yourself. Hmm. Yeah. Start living and and pastoring and leading in such a way where you empower your people to do the work of ministry and to partner with you in such a way. I mean, here's the thing. Do you want 500 cadets in the army, Chris? We said this before. Or do you want 100 Navy SEALs or or, uh, Marine Force recon? Force recon. Yes. I like that. I like that you're finally implementing I'm, I'm, I got the best it. But the, the reality is the cadets don't even know where to go. They don't even know where the line, they want to know where the mess hall is. The hundred trained Marine force recon, Right. those guys have a mission to change the world. What could happen if you get people to fall in love with yeah. Jesus in such a way where Jesus goes in their mind or the word is in their mind, eventually it'll come out their mouth.
0: Well, and and I think you know wh- why aren't we glad that Paul didn't say let's grow the congregation by five percent next year? Let's get <laughs> another. Imagine? Let's get another fifty decisions this quarter. Yeah. How many and do we set- have that
1: the last Passover meeting? Okay, we got to double that for the next Passover. So
0: they had a uh, they had a world changing. Vision that is God-sized, instead of a business organization mindset of let's grow by X percentage. Okay, you get you're and, going to meddle in. It. Well, the reason I'm saying that is because <laughs> uh, we launched our cohort for this reason. Yes. we launched a discipleship equipping cohort so that we can help churches implement a new discipleship-focused culture in their church, a culture that stops saying, "Hey, let's grow by another ten percent, five percent." And let's reach our community for Christ. Let's equip our people to go and make disciples. And so the training that you'll be doing, the smaller group implementation, uh, small groups that we'll have with our staff and our team, we I mean, we will be personally coaching every person in the cohort, you will have, you'll be able to speak into other churches. Other churches will be able to speak into you that are like-minded, but also, you know, long haul is a different context in many churches. So the beauty is, you know, if you're at a church of 200, if you're a church of hundred church of 400, you'll be able to connect with other pastors who are in your specific context, doing what you're doing, dealing with what you're dealing with, whether yes. it's traditional, whether it's contemporary, whether you move down the road, whether you're an established church, whether you're a church plants, those folks will be able to help you. And and you'll be able to help them. And that network is really the key of what's going to make the cohort great. If you want to check it out, go to replicate.org cohort. And we
1: look forward to seeing you there. Yeah, I'll say three things about it as we close. You're going to be personally coached. You're going to be peer invested in or, or peer encouraged by your peers of like-minded, ch- like-minded churches. And you're going to be given applicable applicable information, Chris, yeah. that they can put into practice in their context immediately. So go check it out. I think we only have 100 people can get in the first one. Is that right? Right. And we've already got a lot of people signed up. So that's, that's going to,
0: uh, we will update on our next podcast where we're at with that. Yes, let's do uh, Replicate.org slash cohort if you're interested. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Making Disciples with Robbie Gallaty. If you don't mind, take a moment to subscribe and share the podcast. You can find out more about disciple making, resources related to disciple making, and our customized training on our website at replicate.org.